Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Evening Jones. Anyway, some of you guys know I've been, you know, doing a bit of a hair experiment because it's the quarantine and this is just what it is. And I got to tell you, I get this thing figured out pretty good for television where I think I wind up looking all right. I'm out this bad boy right now feeling more in touch with the receiptness of the hairline than I ever had before. Like, look at this. I feel like I can just go like this. Well, I guess it's getting too long in the back now, but there was a time where I could go like this and I could just be bald-headed again. Like, they'd be right there. Look at that. Things are right back to the way they were. You see that? Uh, anyway, I like to ordinarily try to give you guys some sort of, like, humorous anecdote. You know, from life. It's popped up since the last time I sent you. And... Trying to think. I don't have one that's jumping on me at the top of my head. I wonder who this person is that's calling me right now. Oh, not Spencer. I'll talk to him later. Uh, my man there says, you're not Maurice White yet. I don't know. Seem to be approaching fast. But let me tell you what, uh, well, there is something worse than being Maurice White. You know what that is. I could be Verdine. Because, like, being Verdine is an incredibly voluntary thing. Like, all of that, I feel like, is well within his control. And I just really am not interested, like, is there anybody that looks at Verdine and is like, yo, that's, that's how I got to get my shit? Anybody? The thing with me at Verdine is, Verdine is a monster. Like, as far as bass players go, when people start putting these lists together, I feel like Verdine is the one that white folks, like, don't really get. And I really don't understand why it is they don't get Verdine. I guess, it's, you know, because I'm not the biggest Earth, Wind & Fire fan ever, but that's not in the lane of things that, like, the white music critic is going to get down with. But Verdine is a beast on that bass. Whew! I mean, I, that's, that's kind of the show for me when you start talking about listening to Earth, Wind & Fire. Anyway, I would rather be Maurice than be Verdine. If given the choice, the option, however it is that you want to spin it. That's the way that I would do it. Anyway, let me move on to your questions. I'm not providing you what I like to provide off the top. Is Baby the worst rapper who is on the most jams? Uh, and I'm assuming that the Baby that you're talking about in this case is uh, the Birdman. That is not the answer to this question, I do not believe. I think the answer is... Well, huh, this actually gets to be a little bit tricky because I don't know... If it's fair to say this dude, all right, it is not fair to say that this dude is a worse rapper uh, than Baby. But if we are talking about the best rappers, I mean, the worst rappers that's on the most jams, I would suggest you keep something in mind. Somehow, some way, N.W.A. manages to be like top three rap groups of all time. And honestly, if you want to talk about consistency of catalog, even though their run was very short, like ain't, ain't nobody really got the consistency of the N.W.A. catalog. Right. But anyway, N.W.A. is like top three all time rap groups and two of the rappers are whack. Now, granted, like, Dr. Dre isn't a rapper in N.W.A. per se, but he on enough tracks. You know what I mean? 
So you got Dr. Dre and Easy in the rap group, and the rap group's cult. Okay, so we can kind of start with the baseline on those two dudes, and then remember that Dre managed to be out here rapping and being on tracks for quite a while. Dre out here on R&B classics. I think Dr. Dre might be the winner. See, the thing that makes it tricky about Dre, though, and this is like the difference between Dre and Baby, not only is Dre getting somebody else to write for him, Dre is not stopping at any slouches when it comes to writing for him. Like, think about the people who you think of, who are the cats who have written for Dre. The DOC, he did a lot of writing for Dre. Jay-Z, he do, does his share of writing for Dre. Anybody, in fact, that's in like the aftermath camp that writes for him. He's not taking those slouches. Like, as much as we believe that Dre is not a great rapper, which he certainly is not, he has such a respect for the craft that he's only coming out here with, like, bomb rhymes. That's the only way that he's going to do it. I think the other interesting thing about Dre that you have to remember is nobody produces vocals and rap better than Dr. Dre. Nobody. Like, if any of you have heard the, I don't know if legendary is the right word, but if you listen to the original version of Ain't No Fun, if the homies can't have none, like, it, it is kind of, the, it is kind of the, the, the clearest description or the clearest picture of the idea that there is more to producing than making beats. But, like, you listen to the way that everybody sounds on Ain't No Fun before Dre gets a hold of it, and you see what the changes are. Like, you see it all. But so, but I bring that up to say, Dre is like the best vocal producer of all time, which means that he is then exacting in what he expects of his own vocals. But he's still like, as far as rapping goes, you know what I'm saying? He's still kind of boo-boo. Therefore, I feel like he is probably uh, the victor. Um, I do think, though, that like the spirit of the team that you're talking about as the worst rapper who is on the most jams, like the crowd favorite on this team you know the fan favorite you know who that is right somebody might have already said it in the chat room and i ain't see it but you know what the answer is uh, i'll give you a hint he is a member of a southern group hint number two that group has had a few different lineups there we go xavier got it Crunchy Black. <laughs> the answer is Crunchy Black. And Crunchy Black isn't just on jams. Crunchy, Bla Crunchy Black is on classics. Classics. And if you are able to turn off your impulse to care about whether or not he is a good rapper, he is always enjoyable. I used to ride clean in my expedition. Doesn't it make you feel good to hear that? Let's start a ride in the club. That was Crunchy Black, right? I be slamming them down like dominoes. What's up, Mary? 
I mean, think about it. The, the first crunchy black line comes on. Yes, and then there on top of that is the crunchy black dance. And all of this, of course, is like, I don't know if compounded is the right word, but like you add to all of this the fact that he calls himself crunchy black. Like that is his rap name is crunchy black. And I have never really looked up. I mean, it's obvious like where the name comes from, but I don't know exactly who the person is that decided that he was going to be crunchy black. Cause I feel like as far as names go, you don't name yourself crunchy black. You guys let me know if I'm wrong here. Right. But I don't feel like you name yourself crunchy black. I feel like Crunchy Black is a name that you accept because it has been put upon you and you have realized you can't really do anything to make this stop. By the way, I can't remember. Um, y'all remember in the Who Run It video when the dude had the wheel in his mouth? It wasn't Crunchy Black that had the wheel in his mouth, was it? I just remember my homeboys when that joint was out and they used to play the video. But man, Trey, Trey is from uh, Largo, Largo, Maryland. And, and Trey would always say when that video came out, you just hear him yell out. I forget who it was in the crew who just always loved this part. But Trey would be like, hey, yo, hey, young, your man with the wheel in his mouth. And that would just always be the call. Hey, yo, it's your, it, young, it's your man with the wheel in his mouth. You know, because the dude had a wheel in his mouth. Anyway, appreciate the question. Let me see what else we got here. There's a lot of interesting questions I just have to take. What's your take on Juicy J trying to have a versus battle with, I'm assuming you mean Nas, but if Juicy J wants to have a versus battle with NASA, I'd watch that shit too, uh, to be perfectly honest. Um, so I did see that the Juicy J got on the tweets and made a mention to doing a versus battle against Nas. And, you know, guys... Um, We used to kind of have like a rap civil war of sorts. And guys like Nas were on one side and guys like Juicy J were on the other side. It was kind of the, what they call it, like the real hip hop. And what then the real hip hop guys would then call rap like i remember my homeboy kane from undergrad love kane to death man but kane was that dude i don't know if kane that dude to this day kane was 100 that dude boy he'd be like you know some guys are mcs and some guys are rappers he didn't even think scarface was an mc he just thought scarface was a really good rapper you know those cats i'm talking about so let's just say that we put nas and we put Juicy J out there and they start rapping against each other like it's a Sprite commercial. Nas is probably going to win that one. 
Juicy J would have a chance at some points if somebody was allowed to be the dude in the background going. <sighs> you remember that run for Juicy J where every time he rapped, like what was going on behind him was. <sighs> See, some of y'all don't know nothing about that because y'all, 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 y'all new to this. But anyway, yeah, if these two cats were standing there rapping with each other, then Nas wins. But if we just talking about playing songs, I'm asking you this for real. What does Nas have that's fucking with Stay Fly? Name one. Is Juicy J allowed to break out uh, International Players Anthem because of production? What Nas got that's fucking with Tear the Club up? Like, what's he got? I mean, and look, and I'm saying this is somebody that's got a bunch of Nas songs that I really rock with. I'm just saying in that setting, man. All right, now Major Look is up there. Yeah, like Major Look could work um, under these circumstances. Like, I love New York State of Mind, but that don't mean that that's going to work in that place. Let me say this about Nas, by the way. I wound up listening to Ether today. I don't know the last time I listened to Ether. I have long been adamant as a takeover greater than Ether sort of dude. But I wound up listening to Ether after I had listened to the story of Adidon because every now and then I listen to that song because I enjoy laughing. I got to say, Ether sounded harder to me after listening to Adidon than it did at any other time, right? Because there was something about the personal nature of it that I was always aware of, but I didn't quite feel until this time. I was like, oh, wow, you're really getting in it with this dude. Like, on one level, I'm thinking to myself, that whole thing about you think women like you because of your looks. I'm like, yo, that's kind of a whack line. Except for the fact that I think the Jay was really feeling that. And it was like, oh, my God, that was harsh. I still think TakeOver was better. Um, however, I do have to acknowledge, I was like, oh, this is a little bit more than I thought it was going to be. Um, anyway, while we're on the versus topic, I watched the DMX Snoop versus, or at least like an hour of it, right? I low-key feel like Ludacris unlocked the potential of the versus. Here's why I say that. Did y'all watch the verses with Ludacris and Nelly? I mean, if you watched it, I feel like we can all be honest here. The Ludacris Nelly verses was a bloodbath. Like, no way around it. It was destruction. Ludacris just just he just had so he just had way too much for for Nelly, right? He just had way too much. But he handled it so diplomatically. Like I assure you that Kenneth Babyface Edmonds, who is no Teddy Riley, 
He would not have been as diplomatic about that if he was out there thumping somebody the way that Luda was thumping that dude. But once he did that, and I think that Jill Scott and Erica Badu also played a hand in this, like they're calling this versus, but the vibe of it is so much better when it's not versus. Like having Snoop and DMX kind of kick it with each other and talking about how much they love each other's music, that is much better than trying to make this into some kind of battle. And that like really came home with the Snoop and DMX thing. The other thing about DMX that is interesting, especially in looking back, because I wasn't that big a DMX fan at the time, and a big part of that, uh, I feel this way about DMX the same way that I felt about Tupac, and I've said this before. I had it really easy, like, growing up. All the points where this was coming out, like, there's a, there's a, there's a kind of emotion and a place that that music goes to that I just can't, like, A, I, don't, I can't personally relate to, and I don't want to spend my free time, like, bathing in. So I want to be honest about it. No disrespect, but, like, my parents did a whole lot so I didn't have to feel like that. Wouldn't it be disrespectful to my parents for me to be out here doing that? You understand what I'm saying? Like, I can't just spit in the face all day hard work, going out here being sad for no reason. That's ridiculous. They gave me a great foundation to build happiness on. You know? So I'm going to do that. Anyway, DMX is a great rapper. Like, I think it's real. Two things that are easy to forget. One, and you just can't know this unless you were around at that time. Before Jay-Z's first retirement, DMX was a bigger thing in rap than Jay-Z. Like, he was, he was that big of a deal. Without, though, like, I know people really like those two at records that came out in 98, uh, Dog and Hell is Hot and Flesh of My Flesh, Blood of My Blood. I don't really feel like either of them truly endured as a classic. And I don't think that any of the DMX records that came out after that, like, really stood out themselves. Like, I don't think that he has a catalog that I would call enduring. And I think that you go back and listen to some of them, like, quasi-Southern beats on, like, the 98 records, and I'm just not, it's not really what I'm about. Um, but, man, he's good. Like, in every way. Like, as a rapper, DMX low-key does not have a weakness. Like, the, the fact that DMX can do joints for the ladies. Think about that. Like, imagine the chat room talking about slipping is dope. Yo, slipping really, really hits a lot of people in the heart. Like, in a very, very powerful place. I am simply not one of those people. And somebody says it was against the grain from Puffy Rap. You know, I would say it was against the grain of, like, Puffy singles. But like, you go back and, like, check the track listing on No Way Out. Like, let me do that now. Um, like, the imagery of the videos and all that stuff, you know, I mean, obviously, right? Like, it's Puffy. But, like, think about this. Ain't nothing really shiny about Victory. Um, some of these songs I don't quite remember, I'll be honest with you. Um, Young G's, I don't feel like that Black Rob joint was real shiny suit. Uh, is this the end? Definitely not. Um, you know, you go through that record, like, 
Bad Boys production crew. Um, I mean, they, those you know they they made quite a few like dark ass records. Um, like I feel like a lot of this stuff was kind of in the same line. Puff was just always about you know selling them singles. All right, appreciate the question. Let me see what else we got here. Does Terry Crews get to babble because he looks like he could beat people up? So I feel like we got like a couple things to talk about here. In a very like basic sense, your question, does Terry Crews get to babble because he looks like he could beat people up? The answer is, I mean, like just generally speaking, the way the world works, Yes. Yes. That's how it goes. Like, you want somebody to stop talking? Go do something about it. Oh, but you're not. <laughs> right? And I would also say, I don't think Terry Crews looks like he could beat people up. Didn't Terry Crews play in the NFL? Like, I feel very positive that uh, Terry Crews could beat people up. But let me tell you about the time that we had Terry Crews... Um, on highly questionable and this is kind of when i first started doing highly questionable and you know terry cruz like everybody know him for me you know like, he do the super macho man joint you know what i'm saying where he'd be making his things jump up and down you know what i mean and i forget how it came up but somehow terry cruz got like it misunderstood that like somehow i felt intimidated by him popping his pecs as he said, and he feels like he said like some shady, like it may be on the internet, I don't know, but he said some like shady shit to me about like how he could do that and I couldn't, and I'm like, duh, no, I can't do that. But either way, I felt like Terry Crews was trying to flex his physique on me, and I found that to be incredibly whack. That's really whack, yeah. But anyway, did he do that that coon thing on purpose? Do we have an answer as to whether or not that was intentional or just a horrible coincidence? Like, he got on the internet and he sent some tweet and it said, counter our own negativity. And I'm looking at that like, what you mean our? How about you counter your negativity? Leave me out of that shit because I don't even know what you're talking about. But it spelled out coon. Like, did he do that because people have been calling him a coon? And he decided to, like, what they call it, reclaim it? He wanted to reclaim Coon for himself? Like, is that what it, I mean, I'm, I'm asking sincerely. I didn't know if he did it on purpose or if it was just, like, the most unfortunate coincidence. What they call that, Freudian, you know? I didn't know which way it went. Okay, so he did that on purpose. Man, I'm going to tell you. One. You're not going to win with anybody, and I mean literally anybody, literally leaning in on the idea of being a coon, right? And you know why you're not going to win like that? Because white people don't know what we mean when we say coon. <laughs> and I'm sorry, it just makes me laugh, the word itself. But when black people say coon, they are saying something different. Then when white people say coon, like if white people are using coon as a reference to black people, any of us could be a coon if we are dealing with a white person who says coon. 
And I honestly have no idea as far as racial slurs go in the 21st century if white people are still calling black people coons. Like, I don't know how deep into the rural parts it is that you got to go and it's people still calling us coons. Maybe they are. But when black people are calling somebody a coon, they are talking about something very very specific they may be throwing it out erroneously right some people can be a little low quick on the trigger on these matters depending on their own personal levels of uh militants but if a black person calls a black person a coon they are not simply calling that black person a black person right they are talking about something very clear and specific so if you are Terry Crews and you are leaning in on the idea of being a coon, the people that you are trying to defy, they themselves believe that you are engaging in behavior that only a coon could respect. So you're not going to win with them, right? You're not going to show them. That's not going to happen. And... On the other side with white people, that's just going to get uncomfortable for you. Because again, coon is used in a different form over that way. I personally would not have done that. You know what else I wouldn't do if I was Terry Crews? Get on Twitter at all. Like I find it kind of bananas, the idea that. Like, look, I say this to somebody who argues with a few too many people on the Internet. But have you noticed I don't really do it like that no more? Like, even I got to a point where I'm like, nah, man, this ain't even going to be worth it for me. I can't imagine being as rich as Terry Crews is and still leaning in on this. I cannot. By the way, somebody in the chat room says, have you ever heard the Willie D song, Coon? I believe I have. Um, Have you ever heard the Nas song, These Are Our Heroes? Do you know what the original title of these of these are our heroes was? Coon Picnic. Like talk about forcing the issue. He just really wanted to call some people coons. Appreciate the question. Let me see what else we got here. Do you believe both Chris Brown and Usher are top five male entertainers behind Prince and Michael Jackson? And who do you lean toward in that alleged versus? All right. So here's my thing with you asking that question right now. Okay. You said behind Prince and Michael Jackson. Okay. So that means that we're not really limiting this to any particular era. Both of those guys are dead. Um, you know, Mike, like these guys got their starts in the 70s. You're comparing them to guys who got their starts in the 90s and 2000s, respectively. So we're opening this wide open. Son, have you ever heard of James Brown? Have you? Have you ever heard of like Lil Richard? Like kids, what am I missing here? Like if we're just limiting this to black people. Kids, like 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 you ain't, you ain't heard of nobody else. You you don't you don't 
And look, I suppose it's just the way y'all was raised. And that's, that's not... That's not your fault. I recognize that it's not your fault. But I think you need to go really check out James Brown. And I understand that James Brown has a track record that honestly may leave you inclined toward canceling him. You do what you do. But when you do it, Stop acting like you don't know nothing about no James Brown. Please. Appreciate the question. See what else you got here. Some of these questions are just too hard. Like you, Thyla the Creator. This is his question. Your dream collaboration project. Two artists plus one producer to lock in for 10 to 12 tracks. You want me to just give you that off the top of my fucking head? Didn't Jack Harlow break protocol by taking pics at Magic City? I don't really know what the protocol is for pictures at the strip club at this point in time. I really don't because people do this picture thing everywhere. And also, again, like strip club in Atlanta is not really the most salacious uh, place to be at this point. Um, And I feel like even if we are discussing the protocol... Weren't the only two people in the picture, Jack Harlow and Lou Williams? Like, correct me if I'm wrong, but weren't they the only two people that were in the picture? So, here's what I kind of, like, this is something that'll get on my nerves, right? If you go put a picture of me up on the internet, ask me first. Like, did Lou Will get the option of vetoing this? That I don't have an answer for. If you are going to put a picture of me up on the internet, ask me first. I don't feel like that's too much to ask for. And I just don't know why people are so willy-nilly on putting people's pictures up on the internet. Like, you don't have to put everything on Instagram. Like, there is a whole wing of people that just don't really understand that you don't have to give them every day of your life. Like, why would you voluntarily turn your own shit into the Truman Show? Well, you think about that. Like, the Truman Show was supposed to be kind of this spooky concept. People are volunteering to be the star of the Truman Show. Right, appreciate the question. Let's see what else we got here. Are John Legend and Puff right about it being almost impossible for black artists to win the Grammy album of the year? Well, I feel like you can just look up who the black artists are who have won the Grammy artist of the year. I mean, album of the year. And like, won't that answer the question for you? So I'm just trying to think about this off the top of my head because I don't feel like looking it up right now. Black artists that I can think of off the top of my head who have won album of the year. Um, Stevie Wonder won it three times. Michael Jackson won it for Thriller. Lauren Hill won it for Miseducation. Outkast won it for Speaker Box Love Below. Um, somebody said Herbie Hancock got one. Beyonce didn't win it, did she? All right, wasn't the whole thing? 
what you call it? Adele getting up there saying how Beyonce should have won it. All right, I'll pull it up now. But yeah, I mean, look, man, you got to realize that speaking generally, like white people don't respect black music. They can like they can enjoy it and they can consume it, but when it comes to a place of treating it like with the respect, like as art, white people have a hard time doing that, man. They they just do not do that. Like I was talking about something this week. I uh, saw them some column that these guys had done. It's kind of a back and forth, um, you know, talking about classic albums, and they were talking about Sign of the Times, and both of them said adore. They considered that to be a filler track, which of course, like black people hear that, and that's the dumbest thing they've ever heard because adore is a soul classic, right? White folks struggle to think of soul music as art if they have not been directed by one of their favorite artists to treat it as art. Like, go look at all the artists that guys like the Beatles and the Stones said they love, and then go look at the way that the rock critics didn't follow up. You know what I mean? Oh, Lionel Richie can't slow down. One album of the year over amongst other things purple rain and born in the usa i don't know why y'all give a damn about who wins grammys i just like to just throw that oh forgot quincy jones back on the block that natalie cole record she did with a dead daddy uh bodyguard soundtrack we'll call that a whitney houston record it might as well be wow there was a time when you could make this happen look like that's over uh carlos santana does that count i feel like we got a hand in that uh so since speaker box love below we got a Ray Charles record, which doesn't really count uh, for purposes of this discussion, I don't think. Um, especially since I think he was dead by then. Uh, like, yeah, Herbie Hancock record in 2008. Okay. Um, yeah, no, but they don't think of us that way. They don't view us in that space. And that's all it is. Like, what should be wild about it is, you could wind up in a situation for album of the year where there's only one black like artist there. So at least in theory, all the black people go in that direction. Still can't win. Still can't. But again, I don't care. All right. What do we got? Oh, thoughts on the former wife of Bezos donating to four HBCUs. First of all, you lazy bum. You can do better than thoughts. Ask a question. Y'all know I hate that. Number two, what am I supposed to think about this? Like, I don't, like, people don't, I, I had, I've seen this come up in a few places, and I'm just like, what opinion am I supposed to have on this? Rich person gives money. That's cool, right? Like, what am I supposed to say about it? Rich person gives money. I'm very glad that she gave the money to those schools. There it is. What do you want me to say? All right, somebody asked the question, do you think there is a legitimate issue with well-known HBCUs getting donations? I... So here's the thing. I would like to see more schools get donations. I would like for my alma mater, for example, to get donations from people with this kind of money, certainly. But the schools that they gave money to, like, 
you don't think they're rich or something, do you? Like, they need money, too. They absolutely need money. Like, what, what, what am I supposed to say in this case? Like, I, I have a problem with the general reflex to donate money to, like, to just Morehouse and Spellman. Because, one, I feel like there's some respectability politics at play in doing that. And I also think that that's a move for people who are just like, what's the black school? And then somebody tells them and then they go and do it. You know, like I don't like I, I like I have specifically like with Oprah Winfrey and Bill Cosby, like those two in particular. Why are these the two schools that you keep giving all this money to? I don't knock them for getting the money. I question to a degree the intentions of why people pick those as the two that they decide that they want to give money to. Right. Like and I do feel like it's some like bourgeoisie idealistic kind of stuff that makes me uncomfortable. But I don't have a problem with them getting the money because I know that they need the money, too. Like they're not just rolling in dough in that way. But I ain't got no problem with them getting the money. Like those four schools that got the money good for them. They need that money. Times are hard right now, man. They need that bread. There's just a shame that all of. All our schools need bread. All of them do. And there is no one individual donor where somebody's like, well, I wish they wouldn't give to just those, those well-known ones. Yeah, I get that. But do you realize how many HBCUs there are? Like, how's somebody supposed to give it to everybody? Like, Who's going to give it to all of them? Like, you're asking for a lot there. And somebody asked, why doesn't Tuskegee usually get in that conversation? Um... One, I think that there, it's a different kind of respectability politics, though, because that's the Booker T. Washington school. But Tuskegee is really seen as being a country school in a way that the others are not. You know what I mean? Like, those aren't the people that, yeah. Like, now that tech schools, like, move to more of an engineering thing, I think that people look at Tuskegee to be a little bit differently, you know. But, like, that, that's the peanut school. And we shot, you know, if you're out here trying to be bougie, then that ain't the school that you're going to hold up as the model in that way at least that that's a hypothesis that i have um as to why it is that they don't necessarily wind up in that space the other thing that i would argue is booger t washington is the hero that white folks gave us and i think that in part as as we asserted ourselves a little more and pushed back you ain't really got a lot of people that love booger t washington in the ways that was the case you know for much of the 20th century like his name don't ring out in that way in large part because he was the hero that they wanted us to have. There's a, look, there's a Booker T. Washington high school in damn near every city in America. Go look at the black flag. If you were to add, I, I'm willing to bet that if you were to do some kind of survey and to ask what, like, what black person has more schools named after him than anybody else, I would be shocked if the answer was not Booker T. Washington. And it wasn't necessarily us naming the schools. By the way, I, I don't know how this extends, but it's possible that also extends to uh, housing projects because it seems that the people they name our schools after, they also like to name the projects after. Somebody said something about uh, yeah, George Washington Carver. He got a lot of projects. I wonder how that came to be. Do you think the Meg, the Stallion, Tory Lane shooting be viewed differently if she was 5'3 and light-skinned. I think that people are equal opportunity woman haters. 
I don't know if her aesthetic has anything to do with the fact that people made jokes about her being shot. I also think that y'all don't make jokes about anything. Like, she got shot in the foot, right? I'm not saying that that's a laughing matter, and the circumstances seem to be awful. I'm just saying that when people get shot in what folks think is like non-life-threatening sort of areas, the jokes are probably going to fly. The other thing I would note, and I say this as somebody who didn't really pay attention to who the people were that had the jokes and sent them out or whatever it was, are you positive that the people who were doing this are real? Like, how many people were actually doing this? Because it is very easy to take four or five people and send them all around and go hunting for who the person is, and you turn up and you create something that doesn't actually exist. Like, how many people are there? Now, people talk about, like, the Harlem Nights jokes have been flying. Yeah, that's going to happen to a degree, right? I wouldn't find it to be funny either. Part of being a famous person, however, is that, you know, these are the things that go down. Like, let's not pretend. Like, I don't know if there's anything so tragic that nobody's going to make a joke about it. The question is whether you decide to take it and recycle it. And I swear that when these things happen, the people doing the most work to recycle and distribute this content that is found to be objectionable is the people who find the content to be objectionable. And at some point, y'all going to have to stop doing that. Not... A, you got to stop doing it to yourself, but B, you're also doing it to the person that you claim that you're trying to protect. Like, one thing I do think that we need to realize is there is little to no productivity in getting mad at the ignorant people on the internet. And I understand that some people are like, yo, you don't want to say that. One thing you have to admit, I'm doing this with people who actually say things to me. I'm not really going and looking for these people. Like a while ago, I kind of had to stop, and I'm sure I don't come up 100% on this, but like just retweeting these people that say stupid stuff that I just see like all my timeline just because I know it can send the world in your direction. Like it's just a lot that goes on. I got to think about this in different ways, but I'm just telling you, man, you are not getting anything productive out of screaming at these stupid people. And I swear so often, it's really not that many of them. All right, appreciate the question. I think I'll take one more. If you had to do ESPN work in a bubble like the NBA right now, you down or you opting out? I'm opting out. Actually, no, I'm in. I'm in. I'm in. Well, it kind of depends on the terms of my lease. Like, if I'm going to have to pay the rent anyway, then I might as well... Like, go. Because if I got to pay the rent anyway and I don't go, how am I supposed to pay the rent? Although, technically, I mean, I'm kind of in a bubble now. I don't go nowhere. I'm sitting at my, uh, at my dining table, man. It's a fucking TV studio over here. I got this device looking at me. I got this light here. I got this light over here. I got this thing over here to the side charging. I got this adapter coming out of this wall. I got this microphone that's running under the table. I got this IFB that's on this phone that's over here. Like, I'm, I'm bubbled up, guys. Trust me. All to make sure that I don't catch it. 
Well, ladies and gentlemen, thanks so much for joining us here on The Evening Jones. We try to do this thing about once a week. My man Lance Gillum handles everything behind the scenes. Thank you, sir. Remember, if you cannot watch The Evening Jones live, subscribe to the podcast. Subscribe to the iTunes store. Subscribe to Stitcher Radio. Check us out at SoundCloud. You can also find us at the Google Play Store. There you go. All right. Talk to you guys later. Take it easy.